Good evening, and welcome to our continuing series, Explorations in Savagery, with our brother Alok. Namaste. We are still working our way through the old and the new world. So I'd like to begin with reading something from the mother. We are at a moment of transition in the history of the earth. It is merely a moment in eternal time, but this moment is long compared to human life. Matter is changing in order to prepare itself for the new manifestation, but the human body is not plastic enough and offers resistance. This, this is very important, and you, I know you see this every day, but this is why the number of incomprehensible disorders and even diseases is increasing and becoming a problem for medical science. The remedy lies in union with the divine forces that are at work, in a receptivity full of trust and peace which makes the task easier. And then Mother speaks about the cells. But since it is happening in one body, it can happen in all bodies. I am not made of something different from the others. The difference is in consciousness, that is all. It is made exactly of the same thing, with the same things. I eat the same things. And it was made in the same way. Absolutely. There we are. Wonderful, yes. Because this is one of the questions uh, or reservations, if we may say, that the Godhead of the vision wonderful has. That is man ready? And when we say is man ready, it means that man is a total being, which most of all his body, is it really ready to make that breakthrough? We read some lines and, you know, just continuing a few lines, which shows the difficulty, the challenge. Page 690. We were reading last time about the inconscient. Man is its key to unlock a conscious door. But still it holds him dangled in its grasp. The <coughs> inconscient. It draws its giant circle round his thoughts. It shuts his heart to the supernal light. And few lines below. Even his knowledge is an ignorance. Hmm. He is barred out from his own inner depths. He cannot look on the face of the unknown. How shall he see with the omniscient eyes? How shall he will with the omnipotence force? So you see what is interesting here is that uh, normally we uh, give the onus to man. It's your responsibility to do yoga. You are the one who is supposed to do things. And God is up there. He is in his wonderful luminous atmosphere. And uh, so are the gods who command, who influence. But they don't uh, know what challenges 
and difficulties the human consciousness has to undergo is to struggle, do tapasya, do some kind of sadhana. But here, uh, very clearly, the Godhead of the vision, wonderful, he knows the difficulty and challenges of man. He says the inconscient which does not allow man to go beyond a certain limit. So, even if we want that we should have positive thoughts, it pushes back after a certain point yeah. because it doesn't want it to break through from that circle. So often I think of this circle, magic circle of nature with the hard outer crust. The hard outer crust is the inconscient and uh, the magic circle is the egg and inside this is the chick. And the chick is trying, Lord, the baby in the womb, trying here, there, here, there, going and cannot come out of the wall. But what is happening that there is something beyond the chick, outside the chick, which is the mother hen who is brooding over the egg. And by that process, preparing the chick inside so that the time comes and then the outer crust breaks. I feel something similar happens to the human body. And uh, I mean, it's transmutation will happen to the human body. That inside, uh, it's it's going on, the process goes on. And the time <laughs> comes when it can uh, switch on to a new body, when it can transit. You know, that's something we'll read subsequently. But... This staying inside the egg has its own purpose. Otherwise, if human beings suddenly realize that they are higher than the gods, because one of the challenges, then the mediating steer would be lost. And very naturally, we will break the formation of mud, this iron wall. If, if it was not an iron wall, something very simple. And we will merge with the divine. Now that will leave this earth uh, and the work here unfinished. And the body. And the body. So, you know, man is the key to unlock a door. He has to bring in the light here, staying within in this. And actually he has no choice but to stay within. That is a paradox. <laughs> but when you make the statement that the uh, that the mother hen... Yes. Um, so she is doing the tapasya. <laughs> exactly. And we just experience the warmth and the heat. And we don't understand what's happening. Yes. We feel restless. We feel something has to be born. We don't know how. We don't know why. You know, all the neat explanations about house. They're not so simple, you know. Even to practice one simple thing like sit and go deep inside your heart where there is a fire burning there. It's not an easy process. It takes years. So then we have to understand that all this is fine. Some some effort from our side. But the actual yoga... Tapasya and sadhana has been done and is being done by the Divine Mother. Yes. And when it is ready, the, we have to endure the process with faith. As you said, trust and receptivity. Yes. And a time comes when we are ready and the little peck and the chi, you know, cheek emerges. So this is the whole thing. But as we spoke about last week... Sri Aurobindo was also very clear. He said, if you can't give yourself to mother, you can't give yourself yes, to me. Yes, because there is no other way. You, know, you have to allow this process. If you yes, want to yes. break free, you see, uh, we spoke about the supramental ship last time. Yes. So, uh, I often use this simile in my you know, other casual conversations. So I said, look, you know, we are all in that supramental ship. I mean, by all I mean, those who have been called to the yoga. Uh, all doesn't mean the whole humanity, you know, <coughs> but sample humanity, representative humanity. So now the ship will carry us 
now we can go complainingly grudgingly or we can go happily now that choice is up to us now when we uh, look forward you know we are ship is moving in a certain direction we look forward to the new things which are coming then we are happy if we look back to the things which we are leaving behind then mm-hmm. we are unhappy you know because we oh i have left this oh that has been taken away oh you know i wish i had this mm-hmm. i suffered But so much i suffered <laughs> so much so that is how we can have one of these two attitudes in life uh, we can look at the past and see what has been taken away or left behind or we can look toward the future which is coming so even while facing the uh, biggest challenge of death of course bigger challenge is of life <laughs> so but death brings its own challenge because it is a challenge of the unknown in life to some extent by the time we are adult we know the coordinates but death is unknown so so i tell people that look you know if you have been given time in the sense you know some people die suddenly and some linger because they know uh, that you know now the departure is close either some disease or something so instead of uh, uh, brooding oh i am going to leave behind this going to leave behind look toward the future uh, you know how would i like my coming life to be for example yeah. so i have seen people they often say you know i want to come back and study in the ashram school <laughs> i'm just giving an example <laughs> of course it's not like a fanciful thinking uh, and I, it has its own challenges and uh, difficulties but i'm just giving an example that uh, we should look toward the future then we are always full of hope i can only paraphrase this but <clears throat> mother has said we must shake off the past like fading dust yes, yes. that it may not impede yeah. the future which is opening always before us yes so she is carrying us but we have to you know at least look who is carrying us you know and another good simile is a child in the mother's lap yes so you know uh, if the child looks this side that side then he is oh i want this you will see children you know they will hold a finger i want that i want this they cry you know but then they look toward the mother's face what does the mother do just sleep my child and then the child is back again and she is carrying us so she is the one who is doing the tapasya and she is the one who is having holding uh, rather holding our brief on our behalf she is um, speaking or you know asking the supreme divine that please man is suffering but once again he says oh too compassionate and eager don this is where Uh, the compassion of shurbindu and the mother this compassion people understand as you know um, uh, somebody who felt compassion therefore opened a hospital for free service that is not compassion that is pity at the most and at worst it is an egoistic uh, ambitious movement it's very easy if you have little money to open a free hospital but that doesn't really take care of the diseases will multiply that's what we just read yes yes because we don't know the real causes of diseases Uh, you open an orphanage for free food now that doesn't take care of the greed it often you know makes people lazy so that is not compassion compassion is to discover and cure the real causes of human suffering like buddha when he discovered that suffering is because of ignorance that is compassion and he went about yes. refusing his nirvana to teach the way this is super compassion that okay that is a way but still what happens to earth and earthly beings so to bring down a greater consciousness 
so in that sense the mother's compassion towards humanity leave to the circling eons study pace and to the working of the inconscient will leave to its imperfect light the earthly race all shall be done by the long act of time so he says that you know it will happen now on what basis he is saying it's not that the supreme is unconcerned about our state because he has put something inside us like a chip which is portion of himself so he says although the race is bound by its own kind that means circle of nature the soul in man is greater than his fate he says the seed has been sown yes. it will take time long time that's what mother and shubhinda said that eventually there will be a supramental creation because it's inevitable in the logic of things but it may take a million years and if it's nature doing it, it could take 10 <coughs> because it loves to play it says soul sure. it loves to play with the soul and that's what that ignorant nature is like that mother yes. who holds the yes. baby close yes if my baby should not go out of my pallu you know my yeah. Yeah. my yeah. sari it should hold on to me because you know it doesn't want it loves to play with the baby so it doesn't allow the baby to go beyond its yeah. limits yeah. so nature plays with the soul like that Yes. and soul also enjoys because soul yes. also lives ultimately it is a portion of the eternal but in the bargain there is a whole cosmos and creation waiting for that advent so he cautions again and again and then he says i know who you are you are the divine mother herself if you are keen i cannot stop you you are my force that has gone into creation so if you still wish i can't stop you but i would suggest that you come back right now it's too early wait for million years you can accomplish it so he keeps on with that keeps on with too and then savitri next page answered to the radiant god said wonderful lines yes in vain thou temptest with solitary bliss two spirits saved out of a suffering world my soul and his indissolubly linked in the one task in the one task for which our lives were born to raise the world to god in deathless light so she must follow her own impulsion that's why she has leaped into creation yes to bring god down to the world on earth we came to change the earthly life to life divine i keep my will to save the world and man and then she gives very powerful passage you know very powerful lines yeah. who condemned the soul to go through eons of suffering to circle through the circuits of ignorance see very often people say you know you must do this you must do that that's true but you know when we are struggling with nature we must understand that we didn't create nature <laughs> we we are in it all right and we have to you know find a way to transmute it because we are in that yeah. situation yeah. but to give the entire onus to man even those who don't believe in grace are helped by the grace because the grace knows mm. you can't it's not so simple that you cut a hole through you don't know what it is made up of you know a simple thing like putting a nail on the wall yeah. you need to know what is it made up of otherwise you will keep on hammering at the wrong place and end up just throwing the plaster so it's not so simple as that 
its nature and nature has been created billions of years nature has come and is do, playing out this play and to believe that man can just do it so she says i have come to do it and i need me and satyavan is the soul in man together we shall win the victory so i need him so i sacrifice not earth to happier worlds and then again marvelous lines uh, last five lines on this mm. page if earth can look up to the light of heaven and hear <laughs> and hear an answer to a lonely cry not vain their meeting nor heaven's touch is near if thou and i are true the world is true oh. it was it's their play there it is although thou hide thyself behind thy works to be is not a senseless paradox since god has made earth earth must make in her god oh. and then there is a marvelous you know she gives an answer to all these objections that you know man cannot man is not ready uh, you know so she gives a very there is another line so always these two possibilities were there with shurbinder and the mother uh, one thing was clear earth will be saved yes and there will be the evolution next but whether man will be the one who will evolve or there is another line which will unexpectedly appear yes so sometimes very jokingly or half jokingly i have said uh, who knows god is there even in the heart of the dolphin <laughs> and for the divine to accelerate the pace we just don't know everything is possible so he has a bigger brain than bigger ours. brain than yeah it, no not only that a more compassionate heart very conscious you know dolphins are known to have a yes. lot of compassion and kindness yes and it just they are just a step behind man yeah. in terms of their intelligence but that is also because man has spent a million years you know in developing the mind yeah. uh, and created so many problems for the earth uh, for dolphins if 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 that line of evolution was to happen no problem of housing no problem of oxygen pollution <laughs> everything taken care of at once what's wrong you know we have, we are in the human body we can we don't mind going through the dolphin body for a change it's fun you know <laughs> i'm i mean that's why i said half jokingly it's not that mother and shubhendra have said that but it's there that evolutionary possibilities don't begin and end with man man is given the privilege is the same thing where shri krishna tells arjuna well arjuna i am giving you the first chance to be my instrument and it's wonderful if you can choose to take this privilege but if you don't take this privilege i have my means <laughs> so you know so almost we see this suggestion here on page 693 yes if man lives bound by his humanity man is not willing to overpass himself if he is tied forever to his pain let a greater being then arise from man the superhuman with the eternal mate and the immortal shine through earthly forms so something will break free and she speaks of that in one of the passages that all over the world there is tension such a great tension yes and she says that there is only now one option either man has will collapse or something has to burst forth and emerge into a greater light and then she says that shubindo reminded us if only man consents to be spiritualized yes. 
So, you know, this is where the thing is. Either the species bursts and there is an evolution or it agrees and goes through a uh, more less painful and more beautiful way. But around 1970, Mother said it's in the balance. It's in the balance, yes. It's not known yet. It's not known yet. Whether humanity will survive as it is. Yes. So, of course, he said that large portions we have to go, will go. Yes. Because... So there are various ways, but then she gives hope. But I have seen through the insentient masks. He says, but I have seen through this mask called creation, this world, this you know, man. I have felt a secret spirit stir in things, carrying the body of the growing God. So she says, Ki, look, you know, I understand. So I have plan B to put in modern language. Uh, ready with me. I am sure you will okay. One of the two plans you have to say. If plan A doesn't work out, man spontaneously opens to the light, becomes receptive, full of trust like flowers, gives himself for the process, then wonderful. If not, uh, the spirit that is stirring inside will break free. What will happen to man becomes not so important. But it will emerge into the new being. So that, you know, is plan B. So now, <laughs> the Godhead has no other option. He says, all right, I can't stop you because you are my power. Yeah. If you want it, who can stop you? You have the mandate, you have everything. So I am nobody to finally stop you. So it's very interesting that, uh, uh, you know, when Sri was asked the realization of this yoga vis-a-vis nirvikalp samadhi, Sri says that uh, the mother... Uh, the realization of this yoga is higher than the nirvikalp samadhi then he uses terms using Indian thought that uh, the mother can give you the realization of both sagun and nirgun brahma and beyond because she is beyond now the beauty of this whole dialogue is she is beyond even this godhead you know it's amazing this is the eternal godhead who is all the eternal manifestation the higher worlds are he is the one who is the lord over them Beyond him is what? The formless hush of the infinite. And so, finally he says, he cautions that, you know, don't dare too soon the adventure. Uh, and yet, he says into the end, But if thou wilt not wait for time and God, do then thy work and force thy will on fate. It, you know, these lines give you a suggestion that she is greater than God. <laughs> mother of God. And Shivindo hints at that in The Mother. He says, even the eternal Sachidananda comes into being through her. Yes. Because she is the infinite Shakti in the Parbrahman. Dormant. So first when Parbrahman creation starts, he puts forth a being, shadows out. That's how Shivindo puts. And he is the being of God, Sachidananda. Not God as we understand, because you know, Mother and Shubhendu didn't like that word, uh, God. <laughs> Very Mother particularly didn't like that word God because it has been distorted. But God in the real sense, Sachidananda. But who? Sachidananda has a form. That's how he connects with us. Of course, it's the divine form, the subtlest of the subtle, the beauty of the beauty, glory of the glory. But even that comes into being because of the divine Mother. So you know. We are on the word eve of Christmas and when somebody spoke of uh, there is a 
there is a picture of Jesus Christ in the lap of the Divine Mother. Yes. And someone asked, uh, I mean Mother Mary, uh, that, you know, I saw this in a vision. What is, does this mean? He says, yes, of course. Jesus is a child of the Divine Mother. It is natural you will see him in her lap. Exactly. How wonderful it is. So who is she? And we try to, you know, speak about her so casually. And that's what is her greatness that she has become like us. If you really see the ashram context, playing tennis, having fun, sharing rasgullas with groundnuts. Groundnuts. <laughs> can't imagine how human she became answering our stupid and silly questions yeah. catering to our smallest needs and who she is greater than time and God yeah. I mean it's clear in this suggestion but if thou wilt not wait for time and God do then thy work and force thy will on faith as I have taken from thee my load of night and taken from thee my twilight's doubts and dreams. So now I take my light of utter day. These are my symbol kingdoms, but not here. Can the great choice be made that fixes fate? So, you know. Sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, because you cannot end. But you can't stop the Divine Mother. You know, there are no. interesting stories in Indian thought. Where Shiva, who is Shiva and Parvati tales are symbolic reflections of the relation of the divine and uh, God and divine mother, absolute and divine mother. So there are moments when you know uh, Shiva decides one thing and the divine mother decides something else for the sake of the play. <laughs> Later on, it's understood that it, why it happened, but on the face of it, it looks like as if they are opposing each other. Yes, and there is a very interesting story which is. Uh, where the Divine Mother to save one of the Bhaktas, whom Shiva has been called by another person to slay him because this Bhakta is like a demon. But Divine Mother has assured him that I will protect you. <laughs> now, against this Bhakta comes who? Shiva. And Shiva says, you please don't protect him because you know, he is doing lot of, uh, not doing good things. So she says, no, because she knows in the final Leela that no I have when I have when she says yes she knows everything she has the knowledge so when Shiva uh, tries to intervene she swallows Shiva there is no Shiva anywhere in the world creation is bereft of Shiva but at the same time she goes into a state which is of grief because the grief is a human word but where she all she is stilled because this love has for the love of creation absorbed the Godhead into herself. <laughs> and then, then of course the whole story and eventually it is understood why it was done. This long story. But Divine Mother if you see in the, in the Tantra tradition has a place higher than even the Godhead. So he says that I cannot. So you know you, you have to go to that still greater. And so toward the end he says. Three lines on page 695, first line. Then do thy task, knowing and seeing all. Ascend, O soul, into thy timeless self. Choose destiny's curve, 
and stamp thy will on time. So what you will choose in that status, you are the one yeah. who will make the yeah. final choice yeah. and that will be destiny of yeah. earth. And then of course she enters into that sphere where there is neither form nor formless, it's beyond, into her own highest self, termless self, timeless self, beyond even the eternal Godhead, beyond night, beyond day, beyond being, beyond non-being. That's how she would put it. Beyond anything that we can conceive or experience or realize. And she goes there. And there is an interesting dialogue between now herself as a soul, because she is incarnated, and herself as the voice who fixes fate. So there is finally a last dialogue. And we'll read that. And these choose, are the bones. Choose uh, spirit. Choose spirit because yes, yes. Uh, it is um, Christmas and Christmas we have Santa bringing gifts. But here is the Divine Mother bringing gifts. And what wonderful gifts. I wish one day we would receive those gifts rather than going to the theatre and receiving some cakes and uh, you know. Okay, this nice for children. Uh, and some agarbattis and some such stuff and we can receive these gifts which she has brought down for earth so Christmas time rightly we are reading these gifts that the Divine Mother has brought so uh, Narada I would like you know you to because you know hey, you have a wonderful voice and this, these, these gifts you know, choose spirit each time and then what she says and here Shobindo lifts the feminine to what extent every time Shobindo addresses the Divine Mother in that status as woman. Yes. Every time as woman. So these are the four booms. <clears throat> Choose, Spirit, thy supreme choice not given again. For now, from my highest being looks at thee the nameless, formless peace where all things rest. In a happy Vast, sublime cessation, no, an immense extinction in eternity, a point that disappears in the infinite. Felicity of the extinguished flame, last sinking of a wave in a boundless sea, end of the trouble of thy wandering thoughts. Close of the journeying of the pilgrim soul. Accept, O music, weariness of thy notes. O stream, wide breaking of thy channel banks. So this is because there the natural impulsion, if we may say so, is to draw all things into itself. Yes. So to stay there and plead and ask for earth and man. She is given that choice. She could enter back or she could ask for earth and man. And <coughs> so the first boon. Thy peace, O Lord, a boon within to keep amid the roar and ruin of wild time for the magnificent soul of man on earth. Thy calm, O Lord, that bears thy hands of joy. So this is the first boon she asks. Limitless. 
like ocean round a lonely isle. A second time the eternal cry arose. (coughs) Wide open are the ineffable gates in front. My spirit leans down to break the knot of earth. Amorous of oneness, without thought or sign, to (coughs) cast down wall and fence, to strip heaven bare. See, with the large eye of infinity, unweave the stars and into silence pass. So it is a state of utter oneness. Some water. No, it is tremendous, that's why. So... So nothing separate can exist there. So what what he's saying that drawback to oneness. I mean in that state creation itself loses its sense and meaning. But see the first boon she has asked it's very interesting she has the experience of peace and calm. Yes, but before that she experiences someone yearned within a bosom unknown. Ah, Yes. And silently the woman's heart replied. She's carrying earth's aspiration. Someone. And the first boon is peace and calm amid the roar and ruin of wild time. Yes. Peace in the storm. Calm in the struggle. Even in the battle of life. Such that peace and calm. Not the peace and calm which you find in just some inner state. Withdrawn in meditation. But right here in every activity... To bring that peace into nerve and heartbeat and breath and everything. That she has asked. Now, once again, oneness. You see, peace, he has asked her to extinction. Now, there is a peace of extinction. But she doesn't ask peace of extinction. She asks the peace of the dance of creation. Peace in the dance of creation. They are, you know, two sides of the same peace. Here again we will see oneness. And a boon for the magnificent soul of man. Yes. Now we see again oneness. He is offering her the oneness. And that oneness dissolves all sense of separativeness. Breaking all barriers into the infinite. Now she will again ask oneness. But again for earth and man. So we will read, you know, she heard a million Creatures cry to her. Look at this line. In an immense and world-destroying pause. Because you know that oneness which can abolish creation into a signless emptiness. It's not that. She heard a million creatures cry to her through the tremendous stillness of her thoughts. Immeasurably the woman's nature spoke. And here's woman's again. Yes. Thy oneness, Lord, in many approaching hearts, my sweet infinity of thy numberless souls. This is the challenge. It's one thing to, you know, awake in the state of oneness and then as far as creation is concerned, to declare it as an illusion. Yes. But here is oneness in multiplicity in the play. And the closest analogy is that like in a stage show, Everybody is playing their roles. You know, somebody becomes a villain, somebody becomes a friend, somebody becomes a wife, somebody husband, somebody child. But actually, it's a role they are playing, they are conscious of it. After the play is over, they are all friends together, you know. They go and have a nice cup of tea. 
they know that there is no real enmity and no real uh, daughter and wife. We are all friends together. And so it's a uh, play for the delight of the play. There is no other purpose for the play but delight. So there are countless ways of expressing delight. So it's a oneness in which even one can fight with a so-called seeming enemy to the surface but with the sense of delight. And it's there in number of stories that you know, it's for the joy. Even in Nessus on the Gita, Shivindu says, Arjuna is there in the holiday of a fight. Okay, let's go. Let's, let's take the joy of fight today. <laughs> so it's like a game. What may happen in the game, you may die. It's okay. He speaks of that. The sword has a joy in being with the master. It is a joy in being pulled out. And hissing. It is a joy when it is broken and thrown aside. Then he says that equal joy discover. And it runs throughout it runs savagery. Throughout, yes. That joy. That oneness which in creation. So when you have that oneness is very interesting. When you watch, you know, like um, one example is deer and uh, the cheetah. So you see it's both sides. It is nature. There are no two. In cheetah, there is the capacity to run fast. In deer, deer it's not fastness, but swiftness. Which is a slightly different thing. It, swiftness means it can suddenly change track. See how the cheetah, how the deer dodges the cheetah. Cheetah is the fastest running animal on earth. Yes. So you can't compete. So deer cannot compete if it runs like this. So what it does is, if you see, it goes and suddenly changes. It's very swift. Cheetah cannot be so swift. It's fast. In both you will see the same force. Here is nature expressing as speed. There is nature expressing at swiftness. At the end, it's a play of nature. Now, of course, that that's a different vision altogether. But man has to one day ascend into that vision. That's why in who Shirobindo speaks of him or her or it or beyond, he says, he slays without stint and is full of compassion. He wars for the world and its ultimate years. Very difficult to comprehend this state. Yeah. He says, Thy oneness, Lord, in many approaching hearts. My sweet infinity of thy numberless souls. You know, in the play, you know that this is a role you have taken. But it doesn't mean that you are disconnected with this deeper truth. A third time, swell the great admonishing calls. Yes. I spread abroad the refuge of my wings. Out of its incommunicable deeps, my power looks forth of mightiest splendor, stilled into its majesty of sleep, withdrawn above the dreadful whirlings of the world. So now this is power. You know, you see the four aspects of the higher consciousness. So you have first is peace. Then there is oneness or wideness. Then there is power. So there is the power which draws all things back into the stillness. Power that liberates. It's a tremendous power. So he's, he says you come into that power from where you have emerged and rest forever in that. And then what she hears. A sob of things was answered to the voice and passionately the woman's heart replied. She wants the power. The energy of the Lord. Yes. But not for liberation but for transformation. That's what Mother repeatedly says. It has been given to you. 
you cannot imagine how much force, consciousness, energy has been given to you for purposes of transformation, but it is thrown away and wasted. When people complain to mother about the waste of money in the ashram, she says, my child, it is nothing. You don't know how much consciousness is wasted. So here comes, she is asking, and still she gives. Yeah. There is no limit to her giving. No limit to our spending, and no limit to our giving. But she is infinite. Yes. Thy energy, Lord, to seize on woman and man, to take all things and creatures in their grief and gather them into a mother's arms. So she wants that power which can heal the wounds of earth. The power that can transform a suffering and ailing humanity into a divine superhumanity of tomorrow. She wants the power, but not for withdrawal. See the same thing, the power that liberates, the power that transforms. Yes. The oneness that annuls and the oneness that can enter into the manifold play. The peace that extinguishes and the peace that supports you in the roar and ruin of wild times. And then the last great time the warning sound was heard. I open the wide eye of solitude to uncover the voiceless rapture of my bliss, where in a pure and exquisite hush it lies motionless in its slumber of ecstasy, resting from the sweet madness of the dance, out of whose beat the throb of hearts was born. So you see, love and beatitude are born out of that bliss. Yes. This is the highest temptation. Yes. Not just peace, oneness, power, but bliss. He is saying, come back. There is a bliss which is hidden in creation. Yes. The sweet madness of the dance. Yes. But yes. now, she is being offered the highest bliss which you cannot experience in a mortal body. But she wants that also, bliss. But this bliss, again, she wants to give man the joy and sweetness which will transform him, breaking the silence with appeal and cry. A hymn of adoration tireless climbed, a music beat of winged, uniting souls. Then all the women yearningly replied. See, bliss and love are, carries everything together. All the women. Thy, thy joy, thy embrace. Thy embrace, yes. Thy embrace, which rends the living knot of pain. Thy joy, O Lord, in which all creatures breathe. Thy magic flowing waters of deep love. Thy sweetness give to me for earth and men. And so these are our Merry Christmas gifts. Yes. I hope that we all receive it. I wish and pray that we receive these gifts rather than those socks hanging with nice cookies. Such marvelous gifts, no? That uh, Actually, I am sure when the Divine Mother gives these things, outwardly she passes those things, hoping that we will actually end up receiving them. You know, it's a hook. You know, when she would, Mother would play many games, one of them was that she would throw the toffees. Oh, yes. And... Uh, 
everybody was to catch it but amrita would be so clumsy seemingly clumsy seemingly. he would do some weird gestures and the toffee will yes. fall down so people asked him that what is amrita you can't uh, catch a toffee which mother is throwing you see no catching toffee is the easy part i am doing the more difficult thing when mother gives toffee she is not giving just toffee she is giving something else i am trying to catch that so i surmise that when in the ashram theater she gives us those packets she is giving something else which she can give even without the packet but we can look only at the packet so she has to give through the packet because we are so blind <laughs> we cannot understand unless we get something material and concrete but i am sure she gives it without the packets too and that will be wonderful but either which way whether with the packet or without the packet let us receive these boons from her and last four lines i'll read then we will stop thy embrace which rends the living knot of pain there can be no greater delight than the embrace of the divine extinction is one thing but the embrace yes. thy embrace which rends the living knot of pain thy joy o lord in which all creatures breathe the closest i can think of it is pondicherry you just breathe this joy i don't know how she says this that you can't live in pondicherry without breathing my atmosphere it's really a concrete thing there is no logic to it whatever you may do you breathe this joy thy joy o lord in which all creatures breathe thy magic flowing waters of deep love you know this love which flows like a water washing away everything washing away our errors our imperfections our little complaints grumbles sins sorrows at one place he says divine love is like a cushion mattress so that you don't break your bones when you fall so here she is saying not cushion and mattress but like water magic flowing so you know this water washes away you may go to samadhi or you may pray or aspire with all kinds of things inside your consciousness what does she do she just washes it away how does she wash away what is that power by love says thy magic flowing waters of deep of love thy sweetness give to me for earth and men and here again we have the word sweetness yes that we've had more than 85 times in savitri oh. shri arbindo's favorite word so and shakespeare's by the way yeah. oh is it <laughs> yes so we have this fourfold aspect and may we all receive it and merry christmas yes merry christmas with these gifts <laughs> hello bye